Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trab. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast where all your waifus are in our game books. Did you say all our waifus? Yes, all our waifus. W-A-I-F-U. Oh, okay. Hey, 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 we're trying to keep the language down here. Settle down here. Yeah. <laughs> PG-13. Uh, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. My podcast my hosts have apparently been... <laughs> flummox thrown, thrown for a uh, flummox by my my opening uh comment uh what uh we are talking this week about uh creating a brand new campaign using the cortex system and the first thing i noticed when i opened up the uh the the uh, cortex prime game handbook was the really really pretty young lady i assume it's a young lady i apologize if i misgendered uh on the very first page and of course my first thought was is she dateable? <laughs> so I, I think all of us have, in our gaming career, have seen a character or something like that. We just said, man, if only he, she, it was real. Oh, yeah. I've seen the picture here. Oh, yeah. So t- so tell us, Jonathan, is she dateable? If you want her to be in your campaign, she is. Yeah, that's there. no answer. That's, that's, you know, that's not the answer a GM gets. <laughs> the GM that's says, it. yes, but there's a quest. <laughs> You're going to have to I'm do talking- it. If I'm talking to another GM, I say it's up to you, Bubba. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I'm just saying, when you're talking, when your players ask that question, you're always like, "Yes, but." Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna make you work for it. That's yes. right. Because yes, you know, what is gaming without a little bit of work? You know, as some people have said before, is that you know we somehow manage to turn work into what you know, you know, uh, basically something that's supposed to be fun in games. It's called questing. It's, you know, all those fetch quests and things like that. But anyways, back to what we were talking about. All right. So, and I'm just saying this is that, you know, the amount of beautiful men, women, and things that have been written in and put into game books and game supplements and things like that over the years is, is truly astounding. You know, I mean, they're... There really is no limit, you know, to what you could do as far as saying, here's this character and making your characters, you know, you know, making the NPCs desirable. As a matter of fact, when I was uh, the head of Outpost Games and I was doing supplements for Bureau 13, I told the artists, I said, look, we want people to play this game. Therefore, all the whenever you show a, uh, a, 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 a depiction of a Bureau agent, male or female or whatever, okay, doing something, I want them to look attractive. I want them to look good. I mean, they don't have to all be like, you know, enor- you know enormously endowed or something like that. But they should all look good. They shouldn't look like, you know, somebody somebody been drugged across the street once too many times. If we if there is a number, okay. But and speaking of Bureau Thirteen, isn't that what your uh, your new campaign's about, Jonathan? Yeah, yeah. That's basically the the gist is that um I've I've been wanting to play Bureau Thirteen for a while, but I've been looking for a a very simple to teach system, something I can easily induct new players in without a lot of learning uh, curve. 
And so that's why I picked up the uh, Cortex system because I've, I've had it for a while. I, I got the Leverage RPG years ago. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Based off the TV show. And I that uses an early version of the Cortex system. And I liked it. And it, it, it definitely gives you the feel of a television show. Like you're playing a television episode. And I thought, okay, well, actually I, you're going to have good to explain experience. that a little bit more. What makes it a television show? It's cinematic. Um, both in leverage and in the cortex rules uh prime rules itself it kind of helped it kind of gives you an idea of how to how to set up your scenarios to follow like the three act structure or the five act structure so that you have your you know your your beginning your climax and your denouement your your your, your resolution okay and it helps you kind of organize your your play sessions around those those type of cinematic or narrative structures as opposed to say D&D where it's not they don't use i mean you can use these techniques for those games but they don't really help you they don't usually go into it in the rule books themselves they're just like just follow the lead just go where the players are going or, or lead them where you want them to go and that kind of stuff so the cortex in a way is along the same lines in its structure and its use as savage worlds which is meant to be a very cinematic system mm -hmm. please refer, refer to a very previous episode with me bruce john and blix making savage worlds characters for fringeworthy yeah that was my introduction to it as well as playing a game of savage rifts with sean Patrick Fannin at Con on the Cob years ago. And I noticed it was a very quick cinematic kind of system. So Cortex is along that same vibe where it's enough oh, yeah. rules to make it function, but quick along the lines. You don't it, have it, a lot of, it, just enough crunch to make it function. Yeah, it's 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 basically about, uh, the way I've I've kind of described, uh, I've thought about it. I shouldn't say I've described it. I think this is the first time I've described it. But the way I've thought about it is like being in a writer's room for a television show. Oh, okay. And, you know, you have each writer is just writing one particular character and then the gm is doing everything else and they're shooting ideas back and forth at each other okay because like in for instance whenever there's a conflict or a contest between you know a player character and a and a, and a gm's character or an, an environmental situation they're usually resolved in one to two rolls of, of dice so you don't have a there can be a back and forth for fights but most conflicts are handled within the first one to two rolls okay like the player says i'm gonna punch him in the face all right roll for it uh i succeeded all right he's gonna respond he rolls he fails yeah you punch him in the face oh so it's contested roles it's not almost everything is contested roles uh, okay so it's not like in d20 where okay you have your role and it's against a set number well okay usually one of the mod, okay. one of the modifications you can do that they offer in cortex prime is a a difficulty setting where you can kind of set it up like that it's like if you want it to be hard they have to beat this number and, and the gm yeah. doesn't have to roll at all but okay. i I've, I've decided i'm i am going to use that but only for like non-intelligent challenges if, if it's, you know, player versus environment, then, yeah, I'll use a static role. But if it's a player versus a, a, an NPC, oh, yeah, then, yeah they're going to be all contested. OK, all right. And that's one of the reasons I like it is because you, it, it's very much a narrative. And it, like, again, if like a player fails, the idea is that the player describes how they failed. And the, the GM can then take, the, you know, that description and, and say, OK, yeah. And because you failed to punch the guy in the nose and you tripped on a rock in the process he's gonna now keep that rock as his lucky rock okay i see that well no i see this is a good thing because one mm -hmm. it gives players one more agency with their characters and two i wouldn't say forces them but it helps them be able to collaborative story tell more yeah but yeah. it also sounds like you know like a parent telling their kid to go out and get a stick so they can beat them with it it can be yeah if they're on uh, like fairly new to role-playing and they're not quite comfortable with their creative side 
side, you do have to be prepared to kind of step in and give a suggestion. Because yeah, like I have no. Luckily, the the where I'm going to be running this in the next few weeks, you know, I, I'm dealing going to be dealing with a lot of other role players. But yeah, if you're grabbing friends and family who maybe haven't role played before, you might need to pre- be prepared to come in and give give them some suggestions and say, okay, okay, a seasoned gamer they would know. You could say, okay, describe what happens. Well, see, and again, everybody has different levels of proficiency, different levels of imagination as far as descriptiveness. You could have a guy who's been, yeah, I've role played for 30 years, but you ask them to describe, you know, something like that. And they just, they're not like that. They're, they never had to do that in a game. Right, before. right, right. And so it will help them do that. And I mean, they'll see after a while, like, oh, okay, I got to, okay, I rolled the lowest possible roll on trying to punch this guy. Okay, I'm going to really just play this up. And yeah, so I could see, yeah, it would, it is this, this particular mechanic is helpful for people to do that. It will give them more agency, not only with what their characters do, but the story as a whole. Instead of those GM saying, mm-hmm. okay, you missed because you rolled a nat one, you tripped on this twig. Yeah. yeah. And it's I a, like a big part of it is the, the collaboration. It's getting yes. some of the storytelling to the players and not leaving it just within the hands of the GM. Um, but okay. again, you, you yeah, let, let me careful. ask you a question here. How? What's the time period of these particular acts that you're talking? Is this a short act, uh, a short act, act, uh, action, or is it can be as long as you want it to be? It it varies. It can depend on how long the action necessary to take. So, for instance, you could have one role that decides whether you successfully hacked, you know, a corporate mainframe to get information. Well, in reality, that would probably take mm, an hour or two. Again, if we're going with a cinematic, cinematic, unrealistic kind of portrayal, but a, you know, a gunfight could last 10 seconds. So it's very flexible as far as time. Okay. You know. Well, what I'm thinking about is, is that, you know, let's say you rolled and you, you, you know, you, you failed. Okay. You slightly under what you needed. Okay. So could you then go and say, all right, well, I go and I get up on the table, I kiss the king's wife, I cut off his tie, I, I jump across, you know, the, uh, 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 uh across the, the heads of, of each of the, 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 the guards in, in the throne room, I, gr- I th- go up and I, <laughs> I grab a sash to swing across the safety, it comes loose, and I fall into it, a batter. I Is that if, amount of, of narrative permitted? Uh, I would, I would say that... It- in that and what i would because what i would usually do in that situation if a player says that to me i say okay well you've rolled successfully to kiss the king's wife now you're going to have to roll to cut the king's tie off and, See, and so yeah, if okay, they want so to do that i would i would say you're more than welcome but we've got to roll each individual thing here but why if the uh, end result is is that you failed to do your what you wanted to do what does it matter all these other things that you do as long as it doesn't significantly change you know if it doesn't like make people incapacitated you know what i'm saying uh, i would say if nothing else because that can help lead to how how you fail because when you fail there one of the one of the Okay, I'll, I'll describe it more later, but one of the things that can happen on any role, whether you succeed or fail, is that you can develop co- what are called complications, which are basically assets uh, or additional help for the GM that the GM can then use against you later. Mm-hmm. A- just, and the players can also earn you know, their own version called assets. Yeah, it just sounds like you presented a very cinematic uh, uh, resolution. And then when I, the player tried to do something cinematic you suddenly turned around and said no 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 we're gonna get down to the you know the the crunch and you're gonna have to roll for everything that you're doing and then all of a sudden would, there's there's no cinematic well that's the thing that's the thing i would i would look at it as saying like 
how is it all one is it all coming down to one act what okay one trait i should say one capability that they're doing if this is all if they're doing all of this based off of pure agility they're trying to do kiss the king's wife cut off the top swing off the banister and they're these are all they're all attempting it from a standpoint of i'm trying to be so quick and agile that i can get all this done quickly then yeah i might very well let them do it all in one role but if it's a matter of i'm trying to do this one thing and then i'm like i'm going to try and be so attractive and seductive that i can convince the king's wife to let me kiss her and then be skillful and, and agile enough to cut the king's tie off then yes that would be different roles so i think that's where it would come down is so uh, how much how are, much are there guidelines for this sort of thing in the Cortex system, or is this just your take on it? This is my take on it. There okay. are guidelines, okay. and... I, and, I, and I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, bring you down. I, I'm actually trying to see, you know, when you, you know, how cinematic is this really? Usually, most of the time, it's, it's described as, I like, the examples I've seen in the book... Usually it comes down to, I want to do this thing. I want to talk my way past the bouncer into the bar. Okay. okay what's, what traits are you bringing? Because every, every character is made up of a list of traits. Um, usually at least three traits that provide the dice that they use in their dice pool to roll. But they could have extras. And so the player will, you know, the GM will say, okay, I think these, I think these traits are going to be the ones that apply. And the player might say, well, what else? What about this one and this one? Because I think I might be taking it from this direction instead. And it's like, oh, okay, well, that works. So those are the dice you, you use to roll. Roll higher than the bouncer, and you've talked your way in. And then leave it to the player to say, all right, well, I you know, I come up and say, hey, buddy. They narrate their own successes and their own failures. But usually, I think the idea being that they want you, they want to, and this is part of where the GM will have to kind of train them early on, is don't go into specifics as the GM. Say, just give me a general outline of what you want to do. And as long as it's not too crazy, after the fact, like once you've de described it, you can tell it however you want. Like, as you just said, if, if they succeeded at a, an, an agility skill, an agility contest, yeah, they could do all that stuff and for, for one success. And then I'll see if they have any complications I can use later to based off of what they've done. For instance, if they make their roll, and what happens is if you, again, since this is a dice pool system, so you're rolling multiple dice and you're taking the highest two as your result, anytime you roll a one on a die, the GM can give you a plot point, which is kind of like a Benny in this system, yeah. and then use a complication, use that die as a complication against you in the future. So in that same situation, if they, you know, managed to kiss the queen and cut the tie and swing off on a banister and they rolled a one somewhere in there, I was like, okay, well now that king is definitely angry at you and he's going to be coming after you in the future. Here's your plot point. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So um, how long do you think it takes to make a character? You know, because again, you're you're playing Bureau 13, uh, which is a modern uh, game uh, about a supernatural um, policing and investigation. Uh, so, you know, it, it takes place in a, a theoretically known world, but that also means there's all kinds of gear and things that could go into your character. So how long do you, th you you expect it to take to make a character? The way Cortex is set up and the way I'm using it right now, uh, and like taking a look at my character sheet draft I've got, I imagine a, a GM and a player could probably work together and get a character up and running 30 minutes to an hour. Um, because, like I said, in Cortex, all, everything, everything your character is, is a tr is what's called a trait. And they're ranked from D4 to D12. Every I'm look, yeah, I'm looking at the sheet here, and I notice how each trait, the better your trait is, the higher die you have. I'm noticing that has in common with Savage World, what little I know of that system. So, yeah. yeah. 
I said, as soon as I brought up your, your copy, your sheet here, it I was like, oh, okay, this looks familiar. Yeah. And one of the things about Cortex that I, I kind of like is the fact that it is, you can make those traits be anything. Like for Bureau 13, I'm using an attributes, <laughs> like basically reworded, you know, yeah. Strength, dex, con. Only in this one, it's agility, alertness, intelligence, strength. It's But it's the same six attributes we're used to from D20 yeah. space system. And then roles, as in, you know, the roles on a team. Combat, espionage, investigation. But if you'd want to be more crunchy, you can just, instead of it being your role on the team, you can actually have a you know list of skills. Okay. Oh, I like that. So you are just taking, I guess, taking for granted. Okay. If I have investigation... I know a little bit of physical science, a little bit of psychology, a mm -hmm. little bit of, yeah, combat, okay, gunplay, knife play, hand-to-hand, -hand. I know how to clean a weapon. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like it, that. Like, like what their primary role on the team is. I kind of decided, I, I, I like, I've always loved the, the long, long list of skills from, like, the Tritec system, but for this and what I was trying to do and make a quick, simple, easy to learn. Game. Yeah, yeah. Decided, yeah. Let's just parse it down to their role on the team. K-I-S-S, yeah. Keep it short and simple. So exactly. what, no, what, I, I what like roles this. are you in imagining for the team? So what I have is uh, the com the combat specialist, the espionage specialist, the investigations specialist, the occult specialist, and the technical specialist. Okay, what's the difference between the uh, investigation specialist and the occult specialist? The investigation is going to be something more like detective work, um, talking, investigating crime scenes, talking to people, digging through uh, uh, library records. A little bit of forensic knowledge, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. While the occult specialist is going to be very much about knowing the aliens' names and knowing how these spells work. There could be overlap, and that's one of the things that is allowed, is that you can have roles have a little bit of overlap. So, you know, the investigation specialist could just as easily use their, you know, trait in a library looking at old magic books as the same time as the occultist. Oh, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that because technically, okay, let's take, oh, espionage and technical. Diffusing a bomb, that's something you would learn as a spy, or it could be something you learned EOD in the army, which would be more technical. I could see either one could be used and you can make an argument for either one. Yeah. Okay. There's there's a there's room for overlap for a lot of these roles, but they they're usually at least one thing I think that is is uniquely theirs. Like if the if the player comes up to me and says, "I want to try and remember that demon's name." Unless they've have provided some evidence that they've went and looked it up in a book in a library before, a cult is going to be the only way they're going to find it. Right. Um, if they want to say, I'm going to build a robot to fly into this this air vent and take a look around, that's pretty much just going to be the technical role. Oh, right, right. Here, here, Here's my thing. Okay, the one thing that I've seen in Bureau and I've had, and I damn near try to make it a point, the mouthpiece. The guy who is, well, I don't know, disinformation might come under espionage, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Or investigation. See, yeah, yeah the, but it's the, the, the BS the, artist. And that's <laughs> where face. I think it comes in. The face, thank you, yeah. Where, what what background are you using? What, what, what direction are you coming at your disinformation from? If you're coming at it and saying, well, I'm going to BS a technical problem. Well, again, there's well, your yeah. technical expert. If you're BSing, you know, a conspiracy theory, you know, to get them to sound crazy when, you know, that real occult, yeah, occult yeah. Or espionage. I could see. Yeah. Either. Yeah. It depends. The, okay, that's a big so... part of this is allowing the players to, to kind of decide how they're going to come at this so that they can pick, which traits they're using when so they I, can. So I'm sure you probably sat down long and hard about, okay, because there are going to be people who are going to come up with a bureau, cam, bureau character 
and they come from, you know, John and Jane Q public, what did they do where it would merit they would have this skill? And I'm sure you probably had to think longer. Okay, it's going to boil down to one one or two of these five for whatever they do. Okay. Well, that's well, that's I thought of that as like the specific like focus they had while they were training. Yeah. Okay. That's so it I may not it. it may not be so much pre-bureau life. It's what they either felt comfortable getting into or, or what, what the they sort of thought that they yeah. could learn more. Yeah. Right. Because the thing that every Cortex character has, is, if you look at the top of my uh, page here, is I have a space for distinctions. Yes. Every Cortex character has three distinctions, which are random traits that make them unique. In my case, I'm thinking of of the three distinctions for every character. The first is their job before they join the Bureau. Yeah. And it's a, it's always a... A distinction is a trait, just like all these others, that's always rated at a D8. Okay. So their their job before the Bureau is a, a distinction. So if they used to be a cop, they might have... A, I, would, I, I would assume that they will probably also get extra training and investigation. Oh, yeah. But then if they're also dealing with law enforcement specifically, they can throw in their you know previous experience as a police officer uh, and get an extra die on their their role. And they might also get something in combat too, because you know mm -hmm. all, all policemen are hand to hand trained, gun that's trained. The thing. Yeah, yeah. That their previous job can be a boost no matter what role they're doing. Okay. Um, and another one would be like I think their fav their biggest hobby. Okay. Yeah. And then the third will be whatever random unique quirk uh, the player wants for that character. Outside oh, yeah. of like supernatural powers. Well, yeah. So it's like you may have had. Okay, before bureau, you were a cop. Then you have a hobby. Oh, I also went to culinary school for a while, so I mm -hmm. trained to be a chef. And then the quirk could be something like, okay, I know about Major League Baseball. I I follow I it. Thought, I know all the you know. I honestly thought it could either be that, or it could be what encounter caught the bureau's attention. So it could be like, so using that example, they were a cop who was a culinary, you know, Stubby. hobby yeah. Yeah. who had an encounter with a Yeti. Okay. All right. All right. So there, I would say like Yeti survivor or something like that. So that then if they're ever in a situation where they're encountering another cryptid and they're yeah. trying to figure out what kind of food the cryptid might want to eat, they could use both those distinctions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, yeah. See, I'm sure that those would both play in and give like extra dice that you need for the role because, well, you have this and this. Okay. We'll throw an extra, we'll, we'll kick those up from a D4 to a D6 each. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and the bonus is that because this is a dice pool system and you're only using the highest two, that adding more dice doesn't really up your chances that greatly. It does, of course, if you, you know, no math. But at the same time, they're, they're kind of balanced out by the fact that, again, anytime you roll a one on a die, you're giving the GM an, a, a complication to use against you in the future. Ah, yes. Yeah. So you might at first think, oh, I can add, if I could just find the right way to word it and, you know, the right justification, I can include like 10 dice in my pool. But that means your chances of rolling a, a one just, just went up to up. a possibility of 10 ones. Yeah. Where the GM just looks and smiles. And that is that. a special <laughs> occasion. It, if, if you roll all the ones, that's called a botch. So having more dice was, does help you avoid botches. But, but especially if you're including D4s, which, you know, are meant to be like the weakest die. Yeah. And it actually, 
one of the rules for your distinctions is you can intentionally include it as a D4 instead of a D8 so that, you know, your past history can be a complication, you know, a, a, a challenge against you instead of a benefit. Yeah. But one of the good things about it is, yeah, it will become a complication to be used against you later, but the GM gives you a plot point or a Benny. Okay. Uh, oh, so it's not necessarily, yeah, you may have a fear of, uh, I'm just throwing this out here. Yeah, you may have a fear of like darkness, but okay, plot point or a Benny. Yeah, you happen to have like a pocket flashlight on you that you, in your jacket pocket. I'm just, it, it, very abstract, well, but just, in, yeah. In Cortex, the plot points, they have specific usages you can use them to like when you make a roll to include a third die in your results okay um that's one option another one is to cancel out a complication so if you you roll and you get a one and you don't want to give that the gm that complication you can give them the give them the plot point and say no you can't use that oh okay so yeah okay it's kind of like how uh editing dramatic editing points work in trinity university 20 okay yeah, got it yeah. yeah 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 and uh the main use of them though at least the main use i foresee in this bureau 13 setting is the use of powers i've decided that every character will have a special power whether they come from a natural talent or psychic abilities or magical abilities but in order to use a power you have to spend a plot oh okay now and some of them are, are situational like if you are in a contest like the example i have on on my power sets there is like if you have the natural talent of being a tactical genius if you're in a fight with someone normally you can spend a plot point to create a an asset a trait that is good for a d6 roll for that scene but if you're a tactical genius and you're in a fight when you spend that plot point instead of it becoming a d6 it's a d8 uh, a d8 yeah yeah so usually the powers are things that either completely you know change the narrative or boost something you're you can already do as part of the system okay all right and I'm seeing in other rules that I've known. Okay. Oh, it's kind of like this with this. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. I understand that. Yeah. I do like that. So it may not be, well, you have a tactical genius here under mundane talents, but it's still part of your power sets list. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a power, even though it's not coming from any supernatural or paranormal. It powers. is just, it's in the an, thing. And it, the way I look at it, it's the thing that made the Bureau go, okay, we're going to actually recruit them as opposed to blackmail them to be, be quiet. Yeah. And it's kind of like, no, this person has just been inordinately trained to do this. This is something they probably have been doing for 15, 20 years and they're that good at it. Yeah. It's something an in, that, or something inborn that or trained talent. Yeah. Naturally born to do. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Then the other, so like those are the traits I have selected. And one of the things I mentioned, I meant to say this earlier, but one of the things I like about the Cortex system is like, for instance, I have the attributes trait list, agility, alertness, intelligence. Yes. That's because I foresee this being kind of, you know, there's going to be action scenes. There's going to be various types of challenges. Oh yeah. Some mental, some physical, some social. But if you're running a completely social setting, like, you know, high schoolers in love, Right. You can, you can not even use attributes and replace it with like relationship status with other characters. Or if you're doing like a, a magical school setting, you can replace the attributes list with your standing with the, all the different houses in the school. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So traits can be whatever you want them. They to are be. quite malleable upon depending on your setting and your needs. Yes. Mm -hmm. So is there something, what was, what was your biggest challenge that, you know, some, uh, to, is, is there anything in Cortex that didn't work well with what you were trying to do of your 13? Well, here's the thing. I haven't actually run a session yet. So as far as actual play, I have yet to discover that. Mwahaha. Oh no. What was say... it? What was it that Patton said? No plan survives <laughs> first contact with the enemy and we are oh, not yeah. trying to. 
adversarial relationship with the players. It's just if you know the say, if you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm I, I am very much looking forward because I I have at least I know at least I will have one player for my my game this next Tuesday. Uh, he was going to be at my game last Tuesday, but he came down with COVID. Okay. So, but I've also had a few other people express interest going, oh, if I'd known earlier, I would have come. So, okay, well, now you know earlier. Two weeks, come in. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping I'll have a, 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 a decent turnout. But again, the Bureau 13 is one of those settings I easily can run one person in and not feel upset about. Oh, no, Bureau I 13 is beautiful for solo campaigns. Yeah. I have found this out in my time, yes. Oh, yeah. I used, I mean... Throughout high school and college, my first few plays were usually solo, just me and my my buddy. <laughs> well, the good thing is about Bureau 13, too, if you're running at the straight Bureau, we're not talking black powder, whatever. It's a setting that, okay, it's regular everyday life. And then it's that supernatural occult twist that mm -hmm. is in the background and the veil has been lifted. So it is a setting that any player that you get in off the street is going to know, oh, okay, yeah, it's got cars, we got cell phones, we got, you know, you know politicians doing this we have this <laughs> happening in this yeah. country oh and the by the way live in. Yeah. and then oh by the way no that stock market crash in 1929 no that was a high demon from hell that got banished and he was the one keeping the stock market going hence great depression okay yeah and so they'll go oh and then yeah. th you have players realizing okay it is the real world but there's the supernatural what's the term underpinnings that have gone on for centuries yeah, yeah. yeah. and so yeah it's it's taken the existing world and layer, layering one additional bit onto it yeah and it just these characters when they come in that veil has since been lifted because i take it you're getting them okay you're fresh out of training this is your first assignment mm. okay yeah so they still have enough of a background understanding where any role player can come in and just go okay i don't have to know about medieval history i don't have to sit there and know about your homebrew setting it's right it's yeah. everyday life with vampires <laughs> and ghosts. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and, but yeah, that, uh, that was one thing I wanted to point out before I, I talked about the last kind of traits available is one of the other traits that's sort of built into the Cortex system for all characters is what's called signature asset. And the, I didn't mention it before, but I've kind of mentioned assets and complications. The whole point behind these is that these are things that are supposed to be of narrative importance. So the okay. way the the way the book describes it is like if you get in a, in a fight with someone, you're going to use all your your all that you can to to beat them up. You're going to use every tool you have available to win that fight. If you decide to spend a plot point to create an additional asset to help you, that means you have picked up a crowbar or grabbed the bat off the wall and and said this is narratively important to this scene. Okay, yep. So instead of saying it's the time I beat that guy up, it's the time I beat that guy up with the baseball bat. Yeah. And then signature assets are very similar in that it's as something that is narratively a, a tool or, or an asset that is narratively significant to your character. Every character in Bureau 13 presumably has access to the Bureau cell phone, to the Bureau uh, Colorado RV. Oh, okay. So those wouldn't count as signature assets. Because unless... everybody on the team will have them. It's things specific to your character. Right. But if you have a very special, well, I don't know, cult that you got from your father that can kill anything with one bullet well that would probably go under the signature assets okay yeah okay and that most likely would be under let's see it would be next to the agility attribute where it's like okay signature asset that uses agility my and grandfather's goals and you can i would okay, say yeah yeah, I'm I'm not at least right now, at least right now, I'm not uh, uh, planning on including them at the start right now. I just want to test out 
the basic traits I've selected, the, the attributes, the roles, and a power per character. Okay. Um, but then I am going to have progression. Uh, there is a uh, one system I'm using where every mission uh, they complete, they can cash in a certain amount to either buy a signature asset for themselves or up one of their abilities, things of that nature. So I will probably eventually start including signature assets. But as far as right now, character creation, I don't have a method for having a character start with a signature asset. Okay. But yeah, the biggest challenge, going back to Bruce's question, the biggest challenge I found so far in prep has been, number one, well, like, I call, like I talked earlier, deciding whether I wanted to do like team roles or skills, because you can have a, a short skill list or you can have a long skill list, however you want to do it. And I, I kind of said, you know what? I just kind of want to make this simple. But I did kind of bounce back and forth for a while. Do I want it to be? And I, and honestly, attributes themselves, I was kind of unsure about it first. So like, do I want to have their team role and their skills? Or do I want to have their attributes and their skills or their team role? Do I want to include all three? Because I could do that. Mm. But I eventually settled upon just attributes and team role. Okay. Um, now my biggest problem is figuring out all the powers available. Yeah, you you want to keep that light because I mean the bureau they 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 are not keen on loose cannons. Being a loose cannon, the bureau is a good way to end up in you know exile, <clears throat> or you know palling around with JT JP Withers because no one else wants to deal with you. <laughs> um, yeah, so you will. I would suggest that yeah, the power it's it's a cute power, it's helpful, but it's nothing. And also remember, you're bureau agent, you're supposed to be keeping this stuff under wraps. You're not going to be wanting a power that every time you use it you glow like a hundred watt bulb and everyone can see within a hundred feet can see you <laughs> well yeah, and that's the thing i would i would not necessarily say i'm against that but it would be a very much a there's going to be a, a guaranteed complication if yes 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 kind of but thing. but I, uh, okay how am i saying about the powers here just you could have uh and again just arbitrary matter rearranging okay i want to change mm. this rose into a gun okay yeah you're gonna have there it, it's you're gonna have to put limits on it otherwise it's gonna get too out of hand it's like yeah, I just changed this building into a monster to fight the other one. Uh, no. Uh, and, that's, and that's the thing. I've been you get luckily, you get nine complications for that. Yeah, yeah just luckily, no. <laughs> Cortex the Cortex Prime Handbook does have a a a selection of example power. Okay, and and they run the gamut from you know like one I've copied over was astral projection, but. Let me see if I can go find them in the actual handbook itself. If it will, it's somewhere towards the back half of the book. Did I find it quickly. I did find it quickly. It's uh, yeah, one ninety six. Yeah. yeah, astral projection, um, pit, top left, one ninety six. Yes. But yeah, there's a list of powers and all of their you know abilities. And usually the way these powers work are when you first get them rated at a D six, they have they are a trait again. They are also a trait. So if you have dream manipulation and you're just trying to do something small, like you know fiddle with somebody's dream in a very small way well, okay you can roll that trait you don't have to you know worry about it you're just getting a d6 but if you want to do something big like what's listed below it you know they all have five examples of bigger effects you can use them with and they all require that plot point or that benny yeah yeah and so that's been my thing is coming up with these non-supernatural powers for characters like i said i want every character to have a power even if it's not a supernatural or paranormal ability but just a natural talent my biggest challenge is coming up with, all right, how can I make like a tactical genius and a list of powers? Right. 
and yeah. the and the and the powers when you first get a power at, at, at d6 you only get one of these effects out of the five listed so when you get the power you have to pick okay which one of these is the actual spe these are what are called special effects or fs effects yeah so what is the one special effects my version of this power has and i would hope as this campaign grows on then you can unlock you, new ones yeah, yeah right as and that's like oh my powers are growing they are adapting mm -hmm. i have now developed this power stunt or power trick. Yeah. yeah. As I've stepped this up from a D6 to a D8, now I get to pick a new special effect to go with. <coughs> Excuse me. So, yeah, you, that, is that how you're going to do it? As the die yeah. grows, you get a new trick. Okay, I like that. Yeah, and that shows progression and proficiency. Yeah. But I, I figure I'll let, I'm, I'm, it depends it kind of depends on the power. Like, like I've tried to at least again the powers I've made for the the mundane talents. I've tried to make it so that you can pick any of the power, uh, power or special effects to be your starter. But I don't know. Maybe some if I start to get into some magical powers, I might want to limit it and say you can only start at this level. But it, I, I haven't got that far yet. I haven't. Yeah, yeah. I haven't had a need to incorporate magic yet. And that was the other thing I was trying to decide was how do I want to include magic? Do I want to just include it as the powers as listed in here? Like you have a, a healing spell or you yeah. know, you're skilled with healing magic and then or, you know, you're skilled with you know illusion magic. Or do I want to kind of go in the route of traditions like you are a voodoo practitioner? You are a arcane mage, you know, or, you know, you have studied, you know, Gregorian chant magic. <laughs> Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I've, I've, that's a, another kind of debate I'm having at the moment. I don't know if I want to do... I think I will end up just doing sp specific spells, but... Yeah, it'll still keep it light because, oh, yeah, no, you have the ability, you know, Joe, you have the ability to shadow walk. And I'm looking here on page 207 on the prime list, shadow walk. And you started off with the second one, spent a pot point to jump into one shadow and out of another. And that would be, you know, like shadow walk or shadow jump in OGL. Yeah, you can do that. And you're good at sneaking around and everything and all that. And okay, that is your beginning spell. Oh, you've gone from a D6 to a D8. <laughs> Yeah, okay, you can, you can now uh, do jump into a shadow on a flat surface like a wall and out of the other side of the surface as if it were a doorway. Pool. Yeah, you can now shadow walk through solid objects. And, yeah, and, so, yeah. And I'm, I I'm actually thinking, and there's nothing in the rules that say you have to be limited to one power. I, right. I am limiting the players at the characters at start to one power, but there's nothing to say that the tactical genius might start learning some, some magic or gain some psychic abilities or become a vampire. Right. And and I mean it would be as again as the players go on and they either due to the plot, like, yeah, that vampire bit you, you're gonna start developing vampire powers because, you know, you didn't and again, arbitrary. You didn't spend the plot point, you know, like in D uh, OGL to make the fort save. Yeah. Or no, mm -hmm. your character decides, Oh, I'm I I, I wanna realize that I'm I have, you know, Dampier in my deep ancestry, yeah. and I found this out, so I want to start exhibiting a little bit of vampire powers. Let's make this happen. Yeah. And one of the things you can do as, as part of the, the progression system is you can change out your distinctions. So if you say, you know what, I'm tired of, of, of like, being a, a former police officer, I'm ready to swap it out for a current vampire. Yeah, and you can just say that, okay, because of your vampirism, yeah, you rely more on your powers than the skills you learn. Yeah, yeah. and and even then, if you can have, you can have the distinction of vampire, you just won't have any special effects yet until you buy the vampire powers. Right. So you'll be okay. a vampire who's very, very weak because they're very new and they haven't learned how to use their different ab abilities yet. Okay, all right, all right. That kind of thing.
Yeah, so how do you handle gross differences in power levels? The big thing is the fact that, again, no matter what you're rolling, you're only each side is only using their top two dice. So there's always a chance that, say, if you have newbie, fresh out of the Bureau agent going up against 5,000-year-old vampire, There's that, that agent still has a chance because that would be, again, a contested role. That'd be me rolling against the agent, and there's the chance they can win. There's also the chance, there's also the fact that when you, again, in this system, when you fail, the player describes how they fail. So their attempt might be to, you know, take out the vampire. If they rolled poorly, well, there is actually a set of rules for combat where if you choose to back down from a fight, if you roll your opponent rolls, as long as they haven't rolled too high above you, you have the option of backing out with only a complication. And if it's worse, you can always keep that you know plot point Benny handy to to reduce the effect of a, what would be called getting knocked out. Okay. Right. Again, this is very this this because this is set up to be a sort of narrative system. There are there in the base rules. There isn't really a system for hit points. I am including one of the mods they suggest, which is stress, where if you take damage so to speak, that puts stress on your abilities and it acts as a, uh, excuse me, it acts as a complication that I will use against you in future roles. Yes, it's kind of like the wound thresholds alternate rule in OGL where, okay, if you take, um, if you're down to three quarters, if you're, you have 100 hit points, yeah, I've knocked you down to 75 in this combat. You start taking a minus one to all your rolls down to 50 minus two down to 25 minus three got it okay yeah. i like i like that you're you're not nitpicking on numbers but you are still showing oh no you're getting worn down mm-hmm. yeah and another a good thing about is even if you're in a fight against a force higher than you the gm also can roll ones and just like the gm can take a player's one and turn it into a complication a player can take a gm's nice so Getting into an early battle can, even if you know, even if you have no expectation of winning this fight, it could be an opportunity for you to gain some assets to use in later fights. He who lives in, he who fights and runs away. Yes. <laughs> you know, and you, and again, you can, you, the, you and the players can come up with a narrative for this as you want. It's like, okay, we're going to do a, you know, a sort of testing attack to see, you know, exactly how strong he is. Oh, okay, well, you figured it out that, yeah, you you can damage him, but he heals up almost quickly. Well, that's information I can now use in the future. Yeah, or or the thing, yeah, the vampire. And, that, and, and I'm sorry, and, and the meant, what I meant to say is, and that information is mechanically represented as an asset for you to use in future yeah. dice rolls. I, I was going to, I was going to use something a little simpler, like, yeah, you're, you're, the vampire smack you and you fall into this wood pile yeah you see that piece of wood and it's mm-hmm. kind of thin and pointy you pick it up and save it for later mm-hmm. there's yeah. your there's your opportunity there's the complication you will use against him at a later date yeah oh one no of, one of the things i like is the fact that it isn't a blanket you fail you succeed there is that aspect to it but there's always the chance of you failed with some benefits or yeah you or it's with some penalties or it's a pyrrhic victory yes mm-hmm. so as oh. the GM, if I'm again, if I'm playing the five thousand year old vampire and the players are coming at me, as the as, I'm going to have to think of it as the character. Is the character really afraid of these punks at this point? You know, if this is yeah. early on and he hasn't figured out that they're part of a government agency, he thinks they're just some street punks that are attacking him because he looks rich. He's probably not even going to bother with them. Right, he'll smack them aside and he let will them... underestimate them totally, mm-hmm. and that will come back to bite him in the posterior later. He won't try and take them out unless he happens to be hungry or they've really managed to tick him off. 
off. He'll just smack them aside like tiny little Fat. ants and, yeah. and wander on. Yeah. Let them, you know, tell their friends not to mess with him. It's actually a golden moment to say, oh, you want to take me out? Well, all you need is the golden chalice that's in, you know, <laughs> the, 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 uh, uh, Vatican City on the third level down, uh, you know, guarded by five, you know, Knights of the Order. Sure, go get it. Come back yeah. and kill me. See if yeah. I care. I would, I would easily do that if I was playing that same vampire and I happened to roll like three ones. I still I managed to still succeed, but still got like three complications just thrown on me. I'm like. Are you going to buy all these? Okay, well then let me just tell he's going to be he's going to arrogantly tell you exactly how to kill him because he doesn't yeah. think you can do it. <laughs> like I said, bite him in his posterior later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, no, that's I, fun I, when I, you but it's fun for the GM when they get to do that because, mm-hmm. you know, so often the players are like, "How are we supposed to figure this out?" You know, we're we're just beginning virile ages. How, you know, the bad guys always going to know more than us and and blah 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 and then he turns around and monologues and basically tells you how to take him out. That's a fun thing to do. And they're all like, "Oh, huh. <laughs> well, we we'll, we'll do just that." You know, so you better not stop us when we're leaving. Oh no, go ahead. Go <laughs> oh no sure run run little little, little flower Go ahead. yes uh, run little puppies run run good luck good luck storming the vatican yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> say hello to the pope for me and, and they'll be like yeah and by the way the swiss guards that are there yeah if you do this this and this you'll get right in oh thanks a lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh and, and no. so that's that's my goal that's me prepping uh, bureau 13 for the cortex system um i hope to have a game running we're recording this on a wednesday so in about six days i'll have a game at least one good playthrough and i plan on running them through my version of what was it hell house like the Uh, final exam yeah Ah. the hell house so yeah that's my plan is that is however many players i have whether it be one to six i'm gonna have them run through i'm gonna explain it's like okay well you're leaving as you're getting ready to leave bangor maine you're you're training these characters or your handler comes up and says hey on your way home Swing by this house. There's they're they're getting some weird readings. It's it's an actively monitored house. They're getting some weird readings. IT thinks it's just a, a fluke, but they you know protocol won't let them go in until an agent has gone in and investigated first. So just go on in, pop in, make sure everything's safe, and then call us to get IT in. And then of course everything hits them at once when they get there. Yeah, because that's what Hell House is for. Okay, all Maybe right. Just to test to see if they're going to poop their pants and run away from the. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, we're gonna throw you in the deep end now. Oh, oh, did we say that out loud? Yeah. No, it's afterwards they they realize that it's rigged and said, "Oh, by the way, yeah, we threw you in the deep end." Yeah. Or like your fish. your soul wasn't completely at, at risk here. Right. Yeah. No, we we had you. We knew it was something you could handle, and you're just looking at them like, "I'll end you." Yeah. <laughs> Except for that one ghost you talked to. That really was a, a real ghost. It, we, we had one trainee die from a heart attack during training. Other wait, than that. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I actually okay. have a very intention of doing that. <laughs> oh, good. No, no, this sounds like... And again, we, you, you, we, we game masters cannot plan for every eventuality. But it sounds like you have a good bunch of them down. You've got this enough where for what you were trying to do, you, okay, I got this and this and this and did this here. And okay, no, it's not, this sounds good. And Cortex, it, it sounds like you've, between what is there and the little tweaks you've made to fit your setting, excuse me, it sounds like you got enough to get people in the door because you might have... Yeah, I've been describing it to to my potential players as Supernatural meets Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that has been intentional. I have been intentionally naming two 
television shows because that's the way I think Cortex is best played is if again like you're you're playing a television episode yeah and so having that that grow that that climax and then the resolution and that three act structure or five act structure if, if you're wanting to do it I, I've 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 I'm, I've watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've watched Supernatural I've watched the, the show that will not be named yeah I've watched many many sci-fi I've watched X-Files I've watched many many shows of a paranormal nature throughout the years I feel I have a pretty good idea of how to pace a story. In well, that and story. also you are a self-professed theater geek. You know <laughs> that three act thing and just, yeah. Exactly. But here, but here's the thing also. You used for the average Joe or Jane coming in off the street, two very venerable television series, mm-hmm. Supernatural 15 seasons, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the longest running MCU TV series at seven seasons. <laughs> This is Unless you've been under a rock for the past two decades, you know what these shows are. And even if you never so, watched Agents of Shield, you know it. Fr- you know what Shield is from the MCU. Right. Again, unless you've been under a rock for the past twenty years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So th- this is going to pop in their head. Ninety-nine point nine percent of the people you get in the door are going to have preconceived notions to at least go on. They're going to want you to play Coulson. Or, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Or some other. Oh, the hacker. Oh, I want to play Sky. Can I be a hacker? Yeah. Or. Or I want to play Dean Winchester. Yeah. I want to play, if I ever get a chance to play in this setting, I want to play as um, one of the characters from Beyond Belief, the thrilling adventure hour. If you've ever heard that, you have to hear it if, if you haven't. Ah, no, it's, I can see one guy. I want to be, you know, and do it like um, Fitz. I want to play Agent Grant Ward. <laughs> <laughs> With the voice and everything. Yeah. Even though he's Scottish, he did that deep American accent, even... Ward was like, that's not bad. I mean, you know, he's making fun of me, but that's not bad. Yeah. But no, um, and yeah, so you're gonna get these people, and I and and because you're using these names, and this is not bad. I mean, playing an archetype of a character, I mean, heck, Fur does it all the time. Most of the characters who've been in my campaigns, we've grafted directly from TV and movies. In the Robotech Nightbane game that I'm gonna be wrapping up soon, she's playing Anthony Mackey's Android character from Beyond the Wire on Netflix, Leo. And the way Cortex is made, I don't have to worry about yep. do I have the exact right, you know, settings here as far as their skills what's their role on the show yeah are they the mm-hmm. big gun bunny they're the combat expert are yep. they strong then they have a high, you know i have some rules for like how they rate their traits at start but that's it yeah and you know just enough to okay they have these assets about them okay bing 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 yeah no it sounds like because of the way you're describing it people will be playing archetypes and characters akin to things they know yeah and, that's and fine. your knowledge of pop culture you'll be able to just say Oh, this character, boom, we've got this done in a half hour. Here you go. Exactly. Yeah, good. Yeah, because character creation can be a little... I think the challenge will be if if they're coming in and wanting to play a completely original character with no basis off of an existing Oh, yeah, well, yeah. And that's where I'm going to say, okay, that might take an hour. Yeah, then As we then you'll de- yeah develop yeah. this character together. But but I I'm seeing because you are using these two venerable well-known series, 99.9% of the people that you get in that have come in and you've put your little thing up at your hobby shop, LFG looking for group, mm-hmm. and they see it the the three by five card on the bulletin board there, and they go, oh this yeah oh it's supernatural and Agents of Shield. 
okay, I want to play a, a veteran a CIA agent who ended up getting in the wrong assignment. Now he's involved with this. Okay. Yeah, I've been uh, posting uh, uh, on, uh, on, on my local hobby shop's uh, Facebook group about it. Oh, even I've better. Been, yeah. So I posted about it today. So Okay. Yeah. So you're getting that also people are, they're at home and they can sit there and look stuff up instead of just standing there in the hobby store going, oh, what was that one series again? What did they have in it? No, they can go, oh yeah, Agent's Shield. Oh, ran for seven seasons on ABC and this and that and MCU and branch off the Avengers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's just me updating uh, the description that I used to overhear Bruce give all the time at Dragon Con. I think he always uh, described it as X-Files meets Get Smart. Uh, <laughs> oh, see. Back in the 90s. Uh, I, I believe it was X-Files meets Mission Impossible. Well, well I've, I've, I've heard Mission Impossible. I heard Get Smart. I've heard James Bond. I mean, I have heard a ver version of them. I mean, yeah, Get Smart did have a bit of a revival in the 90s. Andy Dick played... Don Adams and Barbara Feldon's son. But yeah, Get Smart. Yeah, you're going to be getting the older gamers with that. You're going to have the kid in the 90s going, Get Smart, what, what, who? And and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> or you just get the thing, go ask your mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm realizing I'm starting to do that more and more. Now go ask your parents when you get home. Yeah. <laughs> Where's your mother? Um, but no, I, I do see just you you've got this down. I don't see a lot of people throwing you a lot of curveballs with this. Of course, players, you know, they do so anyways. Oh, yeah. But I see but the chance of it, you, it because yeah. I also consider this playtest. And I'm gonna tell them, hey, this is a playtest. This is the first time I've done this. And you then know, they go, Oh, head. so we're guinea pigs. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and we're going to and we're going to suffer together. We were all gonna suffer for my art. Yes. Well, no, it's <laughs> like um I'll come up with something in a campaign like yeah. I'll try to condense this out. Jeff DeRep, Klingon Borg, Robotech Nightbane campaign. I just hacked how to do Borg nanite assimilation. Yeah, I'm going to use it in this, but it doesn't mean I, I ain't going to play other Star Trek games and bring it into others. Jeff's the guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry, Jeff, if you're listening. Oh, oh, but hey, buddy. Yeah, love you. It's all from here. Pointing to the chest. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I see this. You, you've got this down. You're ready to go. You're keeping it simple, yet you are tapping into the quite vibrant Bureau 13 setting and vibe that we all know and love. So, yeah, people coming in off the street will get in on this and be like, yeah, hey, okay, I got this. So what's and the then, age range you're hitting, you're, you're, you're going to be doing this for? Oh, yes, good question. Right now, so far, the the... The ones who have expressed interest have been in the like mid twenties on up. Okay. Like early early mid thirties. None of your okay. kids want to be in on this. <laughs> not on this one. Uh, the kids the kids are in trouble because they are in school and some of them are not doing quite right. Oh yeah, that's where. Plus, no. I'm afraid to even bring them to that hobby shop on Tuesday night because that's Pokemon night. Oh dear God, no, no, no. Oh, I see that just being a horrendous error in judgment if that is done. Yeah, good call. Uh, yeah. They already want to buy the cards. I don't need them around a whole bunch of 20-year-olds telling Going. them what cards they need to buy. Yeah, Dad, can we? And you're just glaring at them and death stare at these 20-somethings. You need to go away now. <laughs> oh, no, no, you've... No, no, brother, you got this down. This is ready to go. Yeah. And it, this is play testing. And no, no, that's what I say. Anything I do, I, no, it's R&D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even first look <laughs> at me going, shut up. No, it didn't stop. It's You're always R&D. It's always well, R &D. It's just well yeah. You don't admit to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you do the, yeah, it's R&D. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm, I'm seeing this is, this is set. Once I have a, at least a, at least one, if not two or three uh, sessions with this, then I'll, I'll be sure to follow up with how it worked and what I've, what lessons I've learned. And oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and figure. And, then, and once I have a, a, a kind of a, a complete uh, idea, I might, I might post this to the the Facebook group and say, "All right, ah. anyone else want to do this? Here you go." I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, 
take the place of the tri-tac system, I'm trying to say, here's maybe a good introductory uh, setting or session. Something, and, and this is actually my hope. This I might run this at conventions. Ooh. Because conventions are meant to be that, that one-off, you know, f strict four-hour time frame. Oh yeah, yeah. I want I want to have this as my go-to for that. So that because one of the other benefits <clears throat> of this is because a lot of it is very much based off of improvising the situation as it comes up. It's like, oh, okay, they rolled a complication when they were trying to pick a, a door lock. Okay, well now they've they've uh, alerted you know a security guard nearby and they're unusually alert now. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. That, that improvisation and, and reaction. I think I can have a lot of fun running this at conventions. Because then I could run it three or four times. And it's never the same game. Oh, and yeah. It's not even the same plot line. Because this is what I used to do when I was running the LARP. We would have a plot line in, in place. And within the first 12 hours, because we ran for, you know, three full days. Yeah. Within the first day, the players have completely deviated from the plot. And we're having to completely trash everything. And scrape and new costumes and build new props within <laughs> before yeah. the end of the, the, the scenario. And meanwhile, there are people just looking at all of them going, where? there are you know just something needs to fall on you just i planned this for days you and then we'd get to yep. the end of the game on on, on sunday and they'd be yeah. like you plotted that out so well <laughs> you had so much for you had all the clues there from day one and we'd be like yes we did yeah oh no fake it till you make it oh yeah and then you come out and then you know as they drive off you're there just up against the wall one hand on your chest going oh thank god it worked yeah yeah Remember, you need three different routes. Yep. Mm hmm Yeah. And we always did, and they would always pick number five. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I may quote J.P. Withers, I know what it is. It's uh, mutant Nazi clones from Mars. He literally said that to my face. <laughs> <laughs> The question is, was he serious? He was entirely serious. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. From what I've heard about the real JP. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> and, and he tried to lay out to me why he thought it was. And I said, you know, I now see why you think that. <laughs> he got you on board with it. Yeah. yeah. I know. He was still uh, wrong, but it was uh, it was definitely uh, uh, JP Withers reasoning. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! You got you had to give him an A for effort on this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the the best players, you know, come up with more, uh, you know, deviated plots than you do. I mean, that's yeah. you know, and and yes, there's more than one opportunity to uh, sometimes go with what the players are saying because it's a better story. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Like, no, I'm all in favor of that. Yeah. And this is a, definitely a system that. that uh, easily leads to that because all you have to do to create a villain is say okay how tough are they are they two d6s are they two d8s are they two d12s and then just yeah if you want you could you could do, you could go into a scenario without having a, a grand villain at the end and you just see what way the players go and and then once you figure they've decided on okay this must be the bad guy all right that's the bad guy all right yeah <laughs> so you think yeah well okay. and then yeah and then if, you know, they defeat the villain, but they rolled four complications at the process, in the process, you go, okay, those four complications are now 2D8s for the true villain. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, that, oh, oh, bad guy? Yeah. That was the lieutenant. And they <laughs> collectively tabled just That was crap. the convenient puppet. Crap. Yeah. That was so, just yeah. the, oh, that was the popcorn. Great. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to running this and, and having some fun with it. Oh, yeah, no, and update, oh, no, we want update on this for, yeah, you know, three, four, you know, three, four tapings online, a couple months, come back and say, okay, I've run like four, five, six sessions, and this didn't work out, this worked out great, I'm changing, no, we want to hear all this, oh, no, yeah. I'm, yeah, 
I plan on starting next Tuesday and running every Tuesday throughout the month of October. Okay. And then November is when my D&D campaign will start up. Um, ah, uh, yes. Yeah. I might do it stagger. I might do a week of D&D and then a week of Bureau. A week of D&D, a week of Bureau. Seeing if, if there still seems to be interest at that point. Oh, come on. What kind of dumb idea is that where you run staggered weekly, bi-weekly? Ca- Wait a minute. Never mind. Okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll shut up now with me doing <laughs> four. Yeah. <sighs> well, my D&D campaign is a lot more complicated because it's a lot bigger world that I have yet to flesh out all the way. So I'm going oh, to need this the two one... weeks between each. Well, is this the one with the the thousand years and yes, the darkness? Okay, that one. You, you, you told, yeah, 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 yeah. You told us about that. Yeah, no, that that's a lot. That that's a lot bigger sea that the fish are in. Yes. Yeah. So having the having the one week in between where it's just modern day but vampires. <laughs> it gives you a break from that deep and rich setting that you've oh yeah cultivated for years. Oh, and okay, yeah. This I is... will be using JP's method of of mission generation where I just grab the the D twenty you know one hundred list of of encounters and just rolling twice. Oh, okay, yeah. Hey, you can come right. up with a lot of cool stuff with that, I and rolled, it's in all of it. Yeah, all I the God and goblins. Okay, all right. <laughs> That's the plot. I've no, run that either. adventure, oh, <laughs> or at least my version of it. And all of a sudden, Jonathan goes, "Oh crap, that was a Dragon Con 2003." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that one was ninth, 1997. <laughs> I'll have you know, I got Jonathan when he was very young. <laughs> I think, I think, I was it? Was, I went back and did the math. I think I was fifteen at the time. Maybe. You, wow. I remember, I remember you looking literally like you were wet behind the ears. <laughs> well, I would. That would have been my first convention. Wow. And I think it was Atlanta Fantasy Fair, not Dragon Con. Could have been. So, yeah. It's just that he literally came down after having a shower, and I looked at this guy, <laughs> and I go, "says My goodness, he, I, I have a new player who's wet behind the ears." He says, <laughs> "No, that was more like me running, running from outside of." the atlanta summer heat oh yeah yeah it wasn't shower wetness that was sweat oh maybe well. plop sweat i it's <laughs> i'm not gonna touch that <laughs> I, I i i don't try to add a narrative to people who are underage yeah no just... <laughs> i was underage i can add my own narrative that's what i'm saying he was definitely yeah. when i first met him he was below the age of 18 yeah yes we here at gaming on the frontier podcast do not condone adding to the narrative of minor in any way shape or form yeah no no he's he's set on this yeah i mean I'm, i i mean no nothing is ever airtight with us gms but maybe microscopic leaks at best sir just yeah, yeah. i'm hoping so We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, from my little knowledge of said setting, no, you've adapted the rules wonderfully to fit Vero 13. And how long have you been? Yeah, Vero 13 now, you know, probably 20, 25 years you've been. At this point, we're probably getting close to 30. Okay, then. Yeah. So, yeah. No, you've got this. You've got yeah, this. Because if I started when I was 15, I'm about to turn 45. Oh, no. No. It, it's hell. If I wasn't so damn busy and, well, up here in Detroit, I might actually get in on that. If I were down there, I'd be like, oh, I want to. Okay. I want to see this. You know? well, like I said, if, if, yeah. if, if once this is play tested and I've got some ideas of, of how to uh, improve it and refine it, I will probably, this will probably be my go-to for running at conventions. Oh, no, no, no. If you really want to go there down the line, sir, oh, no, we could always use live play here. Oh, no, that would be just, okay, we set aside some time where the three of us are, you know, okay, we get to make these characters and just you're running it, me and Bruce. Heck, Father Gill, and I'll come up with a character and we do this, Cortex. I mean, that'll be down the line, obviously, once you've hammered out a lot of the details, yeah. Yeah, once I feel confident with it. Right, yeah, and, well, you know, me and Bruce with how much longer we've been doing this and just, yeah, I'd be like, oh, crap. 
these two are older than I am. Okay, here we go. Yeah, I, it's always a challenge to go to to go to a new system. Oh yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah. you know how deeply what's the, what would be the deeply ensconced and inundated I am by OGL, and so. I, I've had issues of, you know, trying to learn a new mechanic and just, oh, God. Oh, yeah. New, yeah. yeah. That, that probably would lead us into our next topic, wouldn't it? This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.